you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get it out or a Bible app on your phone. Find 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice with me in verse 5, I'm going to continue the series called The Path to Promotion. 5 and verse 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, that seems self-explanatory right there. Uh, you know, if you don't want to be resisted by God, you should be humble, right? Seems like we almost would know what to do. But in case, just in case we don't, in case we're th- we read verse 5 and say, that's not real practical. I don't really know what to do in my life. He gives us verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Everybody know what to do now? So, so the, the, the proud get resisted, the humble get lifted. Therefore, because of that, you don't want to get resisted by God, so humble yourself. That's the instruction. We are to do this before the Lord. So, so pride then is a God blocker. It hinders the grace of God from affecting our lives. Simple logic would tell us that we should rid ourselves of every semblance of pride. The moment we can see it, identify, recognize it, we want to get it out as quick as possible. Why? Because it's hindering everything good in our lives. It hinders everything you really, truly want and desire. It really does. You want good relationships, you need need God's grace. You want to succeed financially, you need God's grace. You want to live long and have a healthy life, you need God's grace. You want, you know what I'm talking about. You want to grow and walk, you need God's grace. Pride is a hindrance to everything we want. Everything that's good, everything that's God. And so sometimes we're looking for complex solutions. I need an answer I've never thought of and no one has ever heard before. I need fresh revelation. No, you just need to humble yourself and everything will start clicking. Say, everything I tried, nothing works. You need grace, dude. Amen. You need the grace of God to start functioning and operating in your life in a greater way. And then everything starts to click. Everything starts to work. One might, might wonder about this act of humility and humbling ourselves before the Lord, uh, which means, you know, you know, taking a lesser place, minimizing our own, you know, importance, so to speak, and at least in our own minds. Uh, can someone be highly successful and be humble? Or if you're really going to win in life and succeed, do you have to have that boastful edge? Do you have to have that, that proudful approach, prideful approach? No. Uh, in fact, just the opposite. It is the humble that get lifted. It's the humble that get exalted. Can someone be uh, extremely intelligent, well-educated, and still be humble? <laughs> yes. Can someone be extremely good-looking and still be humble? Yes, you absolutely can. You don't have to say, I'm ugly. Why, why, why believe that? Can someone be, uh, again, highly accomplished or um, have you know, great talent, skill in different areas and be humble? 
can be, ought to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. I don't want us to see these things as conflicting or contrasting, exceeding, succeeding, exceeding expectations in life and, and humility. They go hand in hand. It's the same God who told us to humble ourselves that gives us the grace or the ability to be great. So these things are not opposites. They're the same. They, they work together. The more humble I am, the more successful I am. The more humble, the better looking. The more, the more humble, the more my gifts come out. This is, this is, the, this is the context, this is the atmosphere that, that God can work in. It's this, this of humility. And so uh, I, I want to I look at for a moment a guy, a uh, famous dude named Moses, and I just want to comment on one verse that the scriptures uh, reference him in, in Numbers chapter 12. It says something pretty outstanding. It's, Roman, it's Numbers 12, 3. Now the man Moses was very humble more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Now, now think about that statement. It's kind of out there. Like, how would you even know that? He was, one, very humble. Okay, you can, you can see that by observation. Um, but more than everyone on the face of the earth, Moses was the most humble person on the planet. I mean, no, of human origin, you couldn't really know that because you don't know everybody. How is someone the most humble? And this statement is made in the context of Aaron and Miriam attacking him, speaking against him. And his response to them was not to defend himself, was not to fight back or push back, but basically step back and let God be his defense. And when you read the passage there in Numbers 12, you'll find that God stepped in and dealt with Aaron and Miriam. Moses didn't have to do anything about that. And so that, in, in one sense, is a great picture of humility. Uh, are you quick to defend yourself? Or do you frequent, frequently become defensive when someone says something uh, to you about you that's maybe incorrect or puts you down? Are you quick to, no, that's not true. No, that's not right. Quick to step in and deny what someone else says about you or push back on people because they're saying something that's untrue. That's not humility. Humility is the attitude that says, well, I don't really care what you think. It doesn't necessarily have to promote that either. Well, I don't care what you think. Why? Because you're so great. It doesn't say anything. You believe something incorrect about me? Okay. Whatever floats your boat. But Moses didn't defend himself, and I find that when we become overly defensive and we constantly have to set the record straight, correcting everyone's opinions, and if they say something that's wrong, we've got to step in and, 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 and fight back at that, then we're not leaving things in the hands of God. We are not trusting him to be our, uh, our defender. Amen. If, uh, if you are a married person, 
Um, do you ever get overly bugged when your spouse uh, tells a story and gets the details wrong? You know, you're out with some friends and just talking and sharing stories and they tell it wrong and you have to, you just feel compelled <laughs> to set the record straight and say, no, 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 let me tell it. That's not right. That's not, that, that's not the way it really went down. <laughs> why, why, why are you so troubled by that? Why, why, why are you so, so concerned about them saying it wrong? Or did you not come out as the champion? <laughs> uh, why, why you, and sometimes I think uh, pride pops up its ugly head in the middle of, of, of us trying to fix everything and defend ourselves. I, I know uh, years ago, Amy and I had some friends, they pastor friends, they're in the ministry, and, and, uh, and we'd be around them and some other ministers and people would be telling stories and talking, just having a good time. And, and he was, a, he was a, quite a talker. He had a lot to say. And he would tell stories. But his, his wife would always jump in, jump in the middle of it and do what I was just saying. She would just say, no, 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 that's not how it happened. Let me tell it. This is, let, no, no, that's not what really happened. And, and honestly, it was quite uncomfortable for many of us sitting there watching this as she demoralizes him, you know, and uh, takes, anyway, uh, she's doing this and we're all like kind of inside squirming. Like, would you stop doing that to him? Stop. And I'm, I'm thinking, seriously, like, why do you care if he gets the details wrong? And maybe he's not, not wrong and you're wrong. But like, why do you really care that he's getting the details? We don't care. We're enjoying the story. His details might even make it a better story. If he is wrong, we don't know it. And if, he, and, and if we do and he got some details wrong, we don't really care. Why do you care? And it was pride. She, it was, she was embarrassed over him telling certain stories wrong. And, and that didn't go well for their marriage, by the way. And, uh, but why do we do what we do? Why do we sometimes have to correct people, correct everybody? Maybe we should just chill. <laughs> Amen. Even when other people do you harm, we've all been harmed. We've all been spoken ill of or evil of at times. Um, what's the correct biblical response when someone attacks you verbally, when someone says something wrong against you? Are we supposed to stand up and fight back and defend ourselves? Avenge ourselves. I'm an avenger. That's not the same as being a Christian. <laughs> right? In fact, Romans 12 and verse 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Beloved, do what? Don't avenge yourself. We are supposed to leave things to the Lord. We're supposed to trust Him. And when we're acting that, acting that way, we're hindering God from intervening in our lives. Hallelujah. And so, uh, when, when we read this, this about Moses being the most humble person on the planet, uh, some express concern over the fact that Moses was the author of that book. I don't know if you know that, but if you look at authorship, Moses wrote uh, the book of Numbers. 
and Moses penned. Moses was a very humble man. <laughs> In fact, more than everybody on the face of the earth. I know that, ra that raises questions, but, uh, but let's analyze it for a moment, okay? Uh, either he is the exact opposite of what he wrote, because if he's not that, yet claiming to be that, isn't that the epitome of pride? Or he actually is that, and he is humble enough to write it. it wouldn't that be kind of hard for a humble person to just like, all right, we believe he's being inspired of the Lord. He's being directed by the Holy Spirit. In that situation, it would be pride not to write it. And we understand this, that humility is not about denying things that are true about ourselves. And if the heart is right, it can even be communicated, something that God has gifted you with or something you've done. Not every amount of story, uh, every story you tell that, you know, put, paints you in a positive light is necessarily pride. It's not necessarily wrong. We see in scriptures that the Spirit of God inspired the writers to record both positive and negative events, both strengths and weaknesses of individuals. In fact, we read about some pretty bad stuff that Moses did too, in addition to the Spirit of God inspiring people to, to write things that are positive, okay? And so... Um, when we see the context of this, and Moses was the most humble person, yet right in the context, we see God defending him. I'm going to step back and say, yeah, he wrote that, and yes, he was inspired to, wrote that, to write that, and it was true, and God was backing him up by his actions. God wasn't calling him out and saying, Moses, you're so proud. No, his actions uh, basically... Um, told us through what took place that this was true, that he was very humble. Now, why am I bringing Moses up? It's to reiterate that point I already made. Moses was mightily used of God. Moses was the Ten Commandments person. He was the let my people go. He's crossing through the Red Sea. Great and outstanding miracles and demonstration of God. Great blessing was upon Moses, yet he was the most humble person on the planet. Think there's any correlation? Think that's important for us to see all that he did and yet hear that phrase, he was the most humble person? If that's the case, then what do you guys think we ought to pursue for our own selves? Well, what would be a noble and lofty goal for all of us to desire to achieve in our own personal character? I would say seek after humility. Seek after humility, and then God will do great things in your life. He'll make you something amazing and lift you up and promote and exalt you, as, as Peter here wrote. Uh, but the proud person, they, they live to maintain a reputation of importance and perfection. When they're ever shaded or, or, you know, or shown in an unflattering light, they immediately fight back and they defend themselves. And no, no, I've got to, I want you to see me the way I, the way I am or the way I think, think that I am. Pride will even go to the extent of lying to avoid looking bad. And how many think lying's not good? I mean, it's, the devil's the father of lies. 
Lying is a bad thing. When you're tempted to lie to make yourself look better, back up, dude. You're going down the wrong path. And uh, I've, been a, I've been an anti-liar for a long time. <laughs> Meaning I'm real, oppo- real opposed to it. Even, uh, uh, even growing up, I remember when I was in Bible school, and, I, and see, this would bug me so much, but I remember one day we were playing uh, intramural basketball, and something happened in, in a particular play uh, where I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And, and, and one of my teammates, who was the coach as well, was, was, was saying something to me kind of in the heat of the moment of a competition. Like, why didn't you go here? Why didn't you, why didn't you do this? And I said, I did. And I didn't. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't want to look bad. I didn't want to admit to failure. You say, that's not a big deal. It's competition. Maybe not a big deal to you, but it bugged the fire out of me for days. Just one statement made in the middle of high energy and everything else, and I stewed about that, and I'm like, ah. Finally, I humbled myself and called him. He did remember. I thought, he might even not remember. I didn't even remember this. But I called him and I said, hey, you know what? I've got game and you said this and I said this and I, that's not true. I said, I was, paint, I was lying. Oh, is that a horrible thing? But what you do is you maintain your conscience when you do things like that and you get it right. Hey, man, sorry, my microphone's flying all over the place here. Let me take a commercial break and try to fix it. <laughs> ah, there it fell off. We're not live, are we? <laughs> See, I had the same microphone for about 15 years, and then about a year ago it died. And I got a new one, and it's a problem. Because <laughs> these things bend to fit your face, and my face is not complying. <laughs> All right, I think I'm good to go. All right, start us back up again. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, when we do things just to preserve our own awesome reputation, we want to look good in front of others, it, it, it's a problem. Another element of what, it, what manifests when we allow pride to stay in our hearts is, is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13 and verse 10, where it reads, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. By pride comes nothing but what? What's that word? Strife. King James reads, only by pride cometh contention. Do you like to argue? Do you have strife in your life? Contention, fights, arguments at home with people on the job? Is there constant rubbing? and cont- what, What's the source of that? According to the scriptures, pride is the, is the root of that. In other words, if we didn't have pride, we would not have, have contention, strife in our homes, in our lives. Good. Come on. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, kind of right to the point. But I imagine everyone has had arguments with people and fights. What was the root of that again? Pride. Well, we just need to learn better communication skills. No, you need to repent of pride. (laughs) 
I'm not saying communication skills are of, of no value. Sometimes people are looking to dance around their pride. I just need to say this better. Why? So you can still communicate and maintain your, your belief about yourself that you're always right. And no one can ever push back against you. Pride will fight. It'll argue when there's no, nothing to argue about. It, it, it's just contention and strife is built into it. What's the opposite? That is the humble can receive instruction. The humble can hear new things. Uh, how, as it said here, um, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Why do they have wisdom? Because they're advised. In other words, they receive advice. They receive instruction. Humble people can hear some, Humble people can hear that they're wrong. I realize it's not fun, but we all have flesh, but it's pride that pushes back and resists. And anytime something is presented that's different or new or, or tells us something that we're, we were wrong about, it wants to fight. It wants to argue about it. It's hard to teach a proud person anything because then they'd have to admit they were previously wrong or uninformed. Even when the proud person does learn something, they are going to pretend that they already knew it. They're not going to admit, oh, yeah, that changed my life. Or, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't bad. I'll think about that. Oh, stop it. You've never heard that, and that just changed your life. If you'll acknowledge <laughs> that truth, God will work in your life. Pride is a hindrance. We stay where we are. We cap our, our success. We cap our fruitfulness in, through pride. We're going to fight. I always got to look good. Everybody okay? <laughs> Let's look at Acts. Acts chapter 18. There's a guy here that I think we should emulate and learn from. He's uh, a guy named Apollos. Acts 18, 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos. How many know if your name is Apollos, you kind of have high expectations from a childhood? <laughs> named after one of these Greek gods, you know? Apollos. That's a name. Born at Alexandria. Seems like a good place to be born. An eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. So what kind of person is Apollos? He's impressive. He's, he's got his, his game on. He's eloquent and mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he, only, he knew only the baptism of John. So he's eloquent, he's fervent in spirit, he's instructed, he knows what he's talking about, he's able to communicate it, he's precise to a point. He only knows John the Baptist, all right? Maybe you're that way today. Maybe you grew up Baptist. <laughs> you only know up to a certain point. <laughs> he only knew about John the Baptist, but he was good. He knew his stuff. Limited, though. What happened? So, verse 26. Uh, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God. What's that word? 
more accurately. So he was right. He needed more information. He needed more specifics. He needed to be more accurate concerning the, the things of the Lord. And, and when, when he desired to, across, uh, to cross into Hokea, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. What happened with Apollos is he went from a somewhat effective ministry based on limited information to more information leading to him being a great help and basically preaching the gospel. Now, what if this mighty man named Apollos, this eloquent, educated, you know, carried himself, what if he, when, he, when Aquila and Priscilla pulled him aside and said, Let me, we got to talk to you about some stuff. What if he had said, well, who are you to teach me? Yeah. Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know where I've been? I mean, I can probably run circles around you. What if he would have resisted or felt somehow attacked? Oh, you're attacking my beliefs. You know, John the Baptist, he, and he could have went into his thing about John. Because <laughs> he was really good talking about John the Baptist. And uh, what if he had done that? How many know he would have capped his, his life? His effectiveness would have stopped right there. He wouldn't have been preaching the gospel. He would have been, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have known the things that he needed to know. And this makes me wonder sometimes about us, individually. What might God have for us in the future? What might be the potential of our lives, but we need a little more information? If we receive it, we skyrocket. If we resist it for whatever reason, if we're too proud to change, we're too proud to acknowledge we were wrong about something or to receive anything new, we just limit everything that he has planned for our future. But if this guy named Apollos, can, and he was an impressive person, maybe, maybe more impressive than you guys. I don't But if he can sit down and listen to Aquila and Priscilla, and if he can learn something, I wonder if we can learn a few things. I know I've heard many testimonies of, of individuals who have come to our house, uh, this, place, this church, and they were believers before when walking with the Lord, but their lives got absolutely turned around and set on fire, and they come saying, I never even knew this stuff was in there. They, they, were, they loved the Lord sincerely, but never knew about being in, what it meant to be in Christ. Never knew what it meant to be baptized in the Spirit. Never knew what it, what it meant to have a covenant with God and be able to speak the Word and their authority in Jesus' name. And so many of these, what we consider just basic fundamentals, they were a, a believer without knowing them, probably like Apollos. They had loved God, had a good relationship with God. They needed more accurate information. Can I tell you? Can I speak just by, by knowing the past and, and figuring out the future? There's a bunch of you here that are that way. There's some of you here, God said, you already know the Lord, and God sent you to learn some things because he wants to do some more in your life. 
you're not a bad Christian. You might be more dedicated than the people sitting around you, but there's some further information you need. You, you have some, some stuff that's right, but you need more accurate information. And that's why the Lord will join you to certain people, to a certain church, because your future is contingent upon you getting the information. Pride will keep you out of it. So I don't know about this. These people talking about these healings and these gifts of the Spirit. I don't know about all this stuff. Well, I'm okay with, with hesitancy in, in regards to I want to analyze, ask questions, and make sure. We're, we don't teach anyone to be gullible. It's just automatically, no, study, but study with a humble heart. And believe that there are things that you can learn. There are places that you can go in God that are beyond your wildest dreams. If we will maintain humility, he can take us there. But if it's, oh, I've never heard it like this before. This is strange. It's like when Jesus would do miracles and people would say, we've seen strange things here today. And they would marvel at the miracles. We're not supposed to be marveling at miracles. They're supposed to be like normal. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? I wonder how many people are one one revelation away from increased fruitfulness. If I want to greatly help people, I need accurate information. And I can't give what I don't have. I remember one pastor coming to me and, and saying, you know, inquiring about church, his church and how to do a better job and how to be more effective, reach more people. I gave, you know, what I believed to be helpful and good. And his response was, well, I, I, I still have to be me. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm thinking, what do you mean you have to be you? Does that mean all, are you attributing all of your unsuccessful ways as being you that defines you? We need to learn how to separate me from behaviors that are wrong, beliefs that are wrong. Well, I just believe, well, stop it. Why do you believe that? Sometimes we tie our beliefs too closely to who we are. I'm saying beliefs that are not founded in Scripture. If they're in there, then do. Embrace it fully. But otherwise, hold it loosely. Be willing to give it up. Anything that the Word of God contradicts, be willing to give it up. If something is, if you've been practicing a certain way or praying a certain way for years and you don't get any results, everything's still the same, be humble enough to say, I probably need to do that different because it's not working. You think God doesn't work? He doesn't know how to figure, fix stuff? That's not the case. But if I'm pressing, if I'm, you know, the whole insanity thing, same, doing the same thing, same way, expecting a different result. Christians do that all day long. Well, I've been trusting God for 10 years. What? I've been trusting God for my healing for 10 years. Would you quit? Pastor, that doesn't sound like gospel. We have to stand. I know we, I, I can teach all that stuff, but if we're, if we're standing on something and it never produces results, humility needs to come into play. And say, Lord, help me to see this more accurately. I, I might need to tweak my methods. 
There's something not working here. Help me to see it. And then open yourself up for, for more instruction. Hallelujah. Maybe it's, uh, it's why young people more often get saved, statistically speaking. More people who receive Jesus as their Savior do so at a younger age than at their older ages. Maybe it's because we get into a thing where we just won't change anymore. I've been around and we, we get all lifted up in pride because of our education, our experience, and the things we've seen and didn't see. And one, one guy I tried to share the gospel with years ago, and I, I was sharing with him a little bit, and he said, I've, you know, he said, I've been around the world and I've seen too much. I've seen too much to believe that. I thought, I said to him, you haven't seen enough. You've seen certain things through a certain prism and certain light, and you've interpreted a certain way. But if you saw what I saw, you would think differently. Yeah. There's further information you need. You don't have too much. Right. And, but people, they think, I've seen too much. I know all this, and I've got it all figured out. Listen, I don't have it all figured out. No, I don't think any of us do. But being open is, is necessary. Again, the moment we stop being teachable is the moment we cap our potential. Amen. Amen. Now again, humility will admit when it's wrong. Humility can even acknowledge being wrong. I remember watching Happy Days when I was a kid and watching The Fonz. Now some of you don't know what about, what about that just because that's old school. You can look it up on YouTube though. But The Fonz was super cool. You know, it's that sitcom set back in the 50s. The Fonz was really cool, had a motorcycle and leather, and he was never wrong. And on a few occasions in the storyline, as some of that went, is uh, he would be wrong and have to admit it, but he couldn't admit it. He couldn't say the word wrong. He would say, I was I was what I mean was I wasn't right about something, but he couldn't say, he couldn't verbalize the word wrong. Now, maybe you're not that, that extreme, but I think a lot of us still have problems with that, <laughs> admitting that we're wrong. Humility uh, will do that, needs to do that. Admit that we're wrong sometimes, because we are. I think we could all acknowledge it in principle. If I said, how many people believe you are right about everything? Okay, I think we're good. It's the specifics that we sometimes struggle with. The specifics of being wrong in a situation, having to look at a, a spouse, a friend, a coworker, and say, you know, I was wrong about that. I remember back when I was in, uh, back in Bible school days again, my good friend Chuck Ford, who just ministered here, Pastor Chuck, he and I have been friends for a long time. One day we were outside of our apartments arguing about something which we never did and we don't really. That's probably the only time we ever have. But we argued about something and he told me to shut up. And, <laughs> and then we went our separate ways to our apartments. And uh, I remember walking into my apartment and just seconds after I got in there, my phone is ringing. You know, back then the phone was tethered to the wall. <laughs> and uh, my phone was ringing. And it's Chuck. You know what he says? Shut up. No. Yeah. <laughs> You know what he said? He said, hey, dude, uh, sorry for telling you to shut up. Just within seconds after that. How many know the argument, there was pride at the root of that. 
Probably mostly him, but uh, no, I'm just <laughs> Probably mostly me. Uh, pride at the root of that, but then humility kicked in right away for us to, and then to apologize to each other, but he initiated, so he's better. Huh? I mean, it takes humility to go first, especially if you believe the other person was probably just as wrong or wronger. <laughs> More wrong. It takes humility to initiate and own your part of it anyway. But too many times we won't do that. People end up fighting and breaking relationships, haven't talked to so-and-so for years. Sometimes it's family. Haven't talked to my dad for years. Why? No one will admit they're wrong. Pride doesn't like to apologize, does it? Do we need to practice today? <laughs> Please don't make us. Just, for, just, just to help form the words. All right, everybody out loud, <laughs> say it after me. Say, I'm wrong. And you're right. That wasn't too bad, huh? You can do it. I'm wrong. You're right. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want to read one verse. I'm using up all my time. Let me read this in closing today. We'll come back and do more. Are you up for it? Or did I just wreck you from ever coming back? You got into my pride. I know. We're going to kick it out. You'll be promoted. The Lord will lift you. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. The other person is what? Better. New Living Translation. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. If you're here today with a spouse, look over at them today. Are you ready? Say it out loud with me. Say, you are better than me. You can do that on other people too, but, I, you know, some of you, you're sitting next to people you don't know, and I, you know. You're better than me. The Passion Translation reads, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Praise God. That is the Lord's way up. It is the Lord's way higher. It is how we can resist the enemy from working in our lives. Resist pride and humble yourself. Amen. Father, thank you today for working in us. Oh, you're so good. So gracious and so kind.